Hey there, Annie and Julie here. We just wanted to pop in real quick before we dive into this episode and announce our new show name. We're excited to announce that we're rebranding the Investing for Good podcast as the Life and Money Show. Now, this new name reflects the broad focus of our episodes and guests thus far and allows us to tell even more stories about living a meaningful and intentional life by design while also making an impact. We're extremely grateful for your support and listenership as we've grown this podcast and are excited to begin this new chapter so we can bring you even more valuable stories and insights. With that, let's dive into the episode. What can I do to decrease my expenses so that I could live my better life today? You know, my best life today. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hello, hello, everyone. Annie Dickerson here together with my fabulous co-host, Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. Just still feeling so amazing from our Life with Mastery event that we finished a couple weeks ago and um, started juicing. I think I talked about that on maybe another intro, but um, yeah, I just love, love the way are I'm you still feeling. doing it. I'm still doing it and nice. I feel amazing. And it's just been, I don't know, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, but I didn't know that there was like a way to do it, like the right way, like to cleanse or to juice or whatever. I didn't know that there was a way. And it's so funny because like, I forget, maybe 12 years ago, 13 years ago, when my husband and I first met, I said, Hey, let's do this juicing thing. And just like out of nowhere, just started juicing and not like didn't eat either. And we both got really sick because (gasps) what happens is it pulls out all of your the toxins oh, and the all toxins, the junk. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it just immediately tries, your body tries to purge it. And so we got really sick. And so I was afraid that that same thing was going to happen, but I didn't do it that way. I did it, you know, made sure I watched what I ate days leading up and then made sure, you know, and then made sure that we did it the right way over the course of it. But my husband didn't do it again, the right way. And he thought it was <laughs> oh, no. this juice is like nothing. So he goes and gets sick. Like, the oh, whole no. night, like chip, <laughs> we thought, Oh, COVID. One got te- everybody got tested. It was all negative and we're fine. But it was just so funny because it's just, this stuff is real, man. It's like, you know, juicing is like the, the benefits of all of it. I know you did a, your cauliflower um, oh my soup gosh. for like, yeah. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> what was that last year, two years ago? And you know what the funny, the funniest thing was like we were doing this cauliflower, cauliflower soup like three times a day. It's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner was cauliflower soup, yes. which I loved. I, I still love cauliflower soup. But the funny thing is during that time, we went out to this restaurant with some friends and and the way the server comes by and they're like, okay, so here's our specials today. And our soup of the day <laughs> is cauliflower soup. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't get away from it. 
Oh my gosh, that is so funny. That's hilarious. It's like I came out to enjoy, not to have more cauliflower soup. That <laughs> is so funny. That's hilarious. But yeah, good for you for like yeah. jumping on the juicing train and sticking with it and doing it with your whole family. That's so yep. cool. And yeah. you know, the I mean, family, as you know, is is everything. Marriage, yes. kids, and money. Yes. We'll throw money in there. Um, and yeah. the reason I say that is, of course, because of our guest today none other than Andy Hill. He is the creator of the podcast, Marriage, Kids, and Money. And he's such, he's just such a fun guy. And he's always, you know, I met him a few years ago at FinCon, this money and media conference. And he is totally like a family guy, but he's also this like money geek. And he loves talking about numbers. He loves also talking about being a dad. He's so passionate about being a dad and a good husband. And so on his show, he talks about the confluence of all of these things. And what I love about our conversation today is we got to hear some of the behind the scenes of you know what led him to create this podcast in the first place and how he's been able to grow it and quit his corporate events job and go full-time into podcasting, which what a dream. That's a dream life yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so cool too, also to dig in and talk a little bit about, we touched on the spouse's love language thing. And I know that's a question that we often get is how do I get my life, my husband or my wife on board with investing? And that was something that we talked about. We talked about how marriage plays a role and how to talk to your spouse about investing or different things that you want to do as it relates to financial freedom, quitting your job. These are big things in your life. And if you can find a way to have a healthy conversation about it, I guarantee you that things are going to be better, not only in your marriage, but also in your life with your kids and also in your work or and also in your finances. It's kind of a funny thing how that happens. So really making sure that you pay attention to how we, we had a pretty good conversation around all of that. So yeah, absolutely. And so for any of our listeners who are new to this whole world of finances and saving up and investing in particular, if you are interested or you're curious about real estate, investing, a great place to start is to grab a copy of our book, Investing for Good. And so we've got a free hardcover copy for all of our listeners. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. Now, before we dive into this episode, we wanted to highlight one recent listener review from Alma. Alma says, awesome stuff. New listener here. So far, I'm loving it. And so to all of our listeners, whether you're new and just joining us for this episode, or you've been listening from the very beginning, thank you so much for your ongoing support. We absolutely appreciate it. And we read every one of those reviews. So keep them coming in. All right. Well, without further ado, here we go. We'll jump into our conversation with Andy Hill. Andy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, Andy, we initially met a few years ago, I believe, at FinCon, the conference where you know they say money and media meet. But really, the people who go, we know it's really where money nerds unite. So <laughs> I remember at the time really being drawn to the brand that you had created, which is marriage, kids, and money, which, let's be honest, is always pretty much the top three things on my mind at any given 
in time <laughs> and still are, you know, are, are on the minds of many young parents and young families. And I know that you had never really set out to become a personal finance expert, but nevertheless, here you are. And so many people turn to you for advice and guidance on everything from budgeting to debt to mortgage payments and family and so much more. So start by telling us the story of, you know, what led you to create your blog and your podcast and your brand in the first place. And then we'll dive into the impact that it's had on your life and the life of so many other families. Sounds good. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much, both of you. Uh, yeah. In 2016, so maybe almost five years ago, I had a really bad day at work. And it was one of those days where I just had that sort of moment where I sat back in my chair and I'm like, what am I doing? And I was a young father, still am a young father. I like to think I'm young. Uh, and uh, I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old at the time. So I was very busy being dad you know, changing the diapers, uh, doing the things that you need to do as a dad, entertaining, <laughs> all those th good things. And then my 80% of my time, I was working in a job that I just didn't really have a lot of passion towards. And so on this particular day, uh, management had made a big sweeping change about what my role was at the company. And I, for the previous three years, I was pretty proud of what I had done there. I had hit some sales goals, hit some sales record goals that were making them very happy. And in, in turn, I was able to hire some people who were, were now working on my team. And that kind of made me feel good, you know? Mm. And then all of a sudden- this Were you day, working said, in sales or marketing? Yes, I worked in uh, sales at an, a, mm. a corporate event marketing company. So Got an it. agency. So we would put on things like trade shows, auto shows, big conferences that you'd see in San Francisco, you know, uh, Dreamforce, you guys that takes over oh, San yes. Francisco. That uh -huh. was one of the uh, events that we did. So big things like that. Uh, and it, it was it was fun for a while, but then I just got to a point where I just sort of lost my passion. And, and, and this moment, I lost it a lot because it was out of my control. It was one of those things where like, hey, we're going to make these changes. We're not going to ask you if you want to make those changes. You are now not managing those folks. You are now on this team instead of that team. And uh, you're not going to be working on any of those accounts that you brought in. You're going to be doing something new. So I had this bad day and I was just like, I need something else. I need something else. <laughs> Outside of being dad, I love being a dad, but I need something else. And I, I need something outside my job. So I decided to start a podcast because around that time, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I really loved it. It was cool. You could throw in your earbuds, you could wash dishes and listen to a show. You can go for a run and listen to a show. And so I said, well, you know, I've got something to say and I, I want to learn <laughs> from, from other people too. So why don't I start a podcast? I'll interview folks that I think are really cool. And then I'll share some stuff that we're doing as a family. And so I decided to start that podcast in 2016. And in the beginning, it's just a hobby. As years went on, I figured out how to make it into a side hustle. And then as a couple of years later, you know, lo and behold, I leave my, my corporate career in early 2020 and now I'm doing it full time. So that's where I am today in a nutshell. Wow. So go back for a second, because I'm sure a lot of people are listening and thinking, well, I want to get out of my job too. I, you know, I have those bad days. I want this side hustle too. But okay, so take us back. So you, you, you were thinking like, okay, well, I listen to podcasts. I enjoy podcasts. So let me just start one. So tell us about that process because that, if you know nothing about podcasting, it seems daunting to go from scratch to creating this thing. I remember when we launched ours, it was like all these things, right? Like guest guide, who we're gonna have as guests. How do we get it on the the Apple, you know, the podcast channel? You know, how do we get it out there? It was all this stuff. So tell us a little bit about your mindset at the time where you were just like, you know what? 
I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And in the beginning, I didn't have any sort of thought around money or like this being a business or anything. So I said, let's have some fun with this. I can learn and, you know, maybe in the future it could become something. So for me, it was like, all right, well, what do I like talking about more than anything? And for me at the time, I'm a young dad, I'm married and I, I like personal finance. I like figuring out how to build wealth so that I can give my family a better tomorrow. And so I said, well, why don't I call it marriage, kids and money in that order? Marriage is the most important kids. And then, and then money. So I have conversations like that on the show now weekly. And in the beginning, it was just like, all right, well, what can I do to bring that to life? So I started just reaching out to people I admire and saying, hey, I started this podcast. I was, I would love to have a conversation with you. And to my major shock, people kept saying yes. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and, and in the beginning, it was, it was shocking to me, the people that I was listening to on their podcasts and, you know, people who had done amazing things like retired early or invested in some really cool real estate thing or they figured out how to be millionaires before 40 years old. I was like, wow, this is cool. I want to interview these people and learn how they did it. And through that, I'm learning and sharing with an audience that was, you know, in the beginning, it was my wife and my mom, you know, hey, can you guys listen? So I have some downloads. And then over time, it started <laughs> to grow. So I guess to answer your question, I think I started with what am I most passionate about? Because assuming I never make a dollar from this entire thing, what can I just talk about all day long that will help me feel like I'm improving in my life and also potentially help some other people as well? Mm -hmm. And how old were your kids when you started the podcast? Yeah, I would. So this was 2016. So Zoe was four and Calvin was two. So we were pretty knee deep in, you know, busy, busy parent time as you both as late as you both ladies know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yes. You were in the thick of it. <laughs> So I want to ask a quick question because the part to me that always is so interesting when people talk about leaving their jobs is the money part. Yeah. So it all sounds like great and dandy to other people. And they're like, yeah, I want to do that too. But the part that eludes them, and I think the part that a lot of people are like, ah, I can't do this for another 25 years. And I sat at my desk thinking the very same thing. I too had many bad days, but kept coming to the conclusion that there, that I had to wait 25 years to make this happen, you know, or 30 years to make this happen. So the time frame from the bad day, I'm going to call it the bad day to the day that you actually left. Was it a week, a year, more? It was uh, around for three and a half years. So 20, okay. mid-2016, uh, mid left my job in January of 2020, right before wow, COVID you, hit. Very smart. You hung in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hung in there. And then to, answer, to, to broaden on your question... I wasn't financially ready to make that leap or really even thought it was kind of a pipe dream in the beginning. Uh -huh. You know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I want to leave my job to be a podcaster. That sounds silly. Right. <laughs> so for me, it was like, all right, can I do to do the two things, increase my income specifically from my small business. And then the other side, what can I do to decrease my expenses so that I could live my better life today? You know, my best life today. And in my mind, it wasn't working at the job that I was in. So I said, okay, well, if we're making, and we made good money over our 10-year marriage, we made on average around $190,000. So good money, but we were stocking away a lot of it. Probably, I would say on average around half of it. 
for that 10-year period. So what we would do with that half would be invest for our retirement, eliminate our obligations, things that made it, made it more expensive for us to live. And for us, that was paying off our mortgage. And I know that can be a controversial topic. People think that's a waste of money. For us, it was one of those things where it's like, this is giving us more freedom today, as opposed to what can give us freedom in the future. So okay. saving for retirement was a big thing for us, and then eliminating our mortgage. So we did that over a period of time to help us say, okay, now we can safely and comfortably live on about $60,000 a year. And so what can I do to make my business make that and more before I leave? And that was our goal. So I got to a point around the time that I left that I felt very comfortable if I was gonna if I was gonna give myself 40 hours of work in 2020, that I could definitely make over that amount of money. And my goal for year one was over a hundred thousand dollars. And that made us both feel comfortable enough for us to take the leap or me to take the leap. I say us because it was really my wife's idea because she wanted me to stop talking about it. She just said, just go for it. I love that. I love that. So that so you gave yourself some time then to really build up additional income streams before you actually left. And I think that is such a smart thing. And I'd be curious to hear what other people you've interviewed on your podcast have done and what their process is like, because clearly you've interviewed a lot of people who have maybe done the same thing that you have. But do you see that that's the path that a lot of people take where they actually have a plan and they save and they make some income streams and then they quit? Or do you see it the other way where people just jump off the edge and kind of you know, have hopes and dreams and see what happens. I don't see that there's a right way or a wrong way. I think there's okay. everybody's unique situation. So there's some folks yeah. that wouldn't feel comfortable doing anything remotely close to what I decided to do mm-hmm. without ensuring that they were making from their passive investments or things like that, what they used to make and more. And mm-hmm. for me, I was like, well, you know, life's for living and I'm not like retiring or anything. I want right. to start this business. I want to make a business mm-hmm. and grow mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. so for me, I felt comfortable with that. And other folks, you know, I think I heard a little bit about both your stories. It was like, hey, let's go for this and figure it figure it out as we go. And I think that there, I think all of the answers are right because everybody's situation is unique. As long as you have the passion and the, I guess, fortitude to keep going, I would say so that it probably would make sense to have a little bit of money in the bank before you go off and do that. Before you go and say, hey, I want to be a, a blogger or I want to do anything, you know, full time for us we put 12 months of expenses in a savings account and said, hey, Andy, this is your runway to play podcast here and see if you can actually do it. You know, both of us kind of joking together about me going for it, but that made us feel very comfortable. So we had eliminated all of our debt obligations in our entire lives and we had 12 months of expenses in the bank. And that was sort of like, hey, you know what? Go for it. And worst case scenario, you got to go back and get a job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that because some people get think that, like you said, they have to have that number and before they actually leave. And then it's like they think that they leave and that they can never go back. And the truth is you can always go back, maybe not at the same place. But most people at this point in their lives, if you've got a few kids, you've probably been working 10 to 15 years and probably somewhat of an expert in your industry in which you could go back and get a job if you had to. So that's similar to 
to like what my husband and I did, same thing. We said, you know, we'll give ourselves a 12 month timeline. And if I want to go back, I certainly can. And, or if he wants to go back, he certainly can. And let's just see what happens and kind of experiment with different, you know, side hustles or different things. So I love that. I'm curious when you said you had invested for retirement, was that in stocks or real estate or what were you investing in? We have not invested in any real estate. I know that is uh, your cup of tea, ladies, but we have not gone down that adventure yet because mm -hmm. we just decided it was a little bit too much for us right now with all the other things we've got going on in our lives. And so we decided to invest in tax-advantaged accounts like our 401k, Roth IRAs, HSAs. And over a long period of time, since we were doing it to the maximum for quite a period of time, we've got about a half a million dollars stocked away right now, which is great mm -hmm. because if we just let that alone and don't mm -hmm. put another dime into it, we're going to have whatever, two and a half million bucks later on when we're 65 based on those theories of Coast Fire, which I love, and we're going to be set. So we're just kind of letting that money sit and saying, hey, we checked that box. They say all the time, save for retirement, save for retirement. We did that. And so we're mm -hmm. good. And we're just going to let that roll. And checking all those boxes before jumping made us feel really good. 12 months of expenses in the bank, you know, no debts and a Coast Fire. So we were feeling good. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. Nice. Nice. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about it. It sounds like throughout this whole story, you and your wife were step in step every step of the journey. Like you I'm wanted sorry, this I put she that supported impression you and like, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us about that because you know, with marriage, kids and money, money is often, you know, this point of contention between couples. Right. So tell us about that aspect. Maybe it wasn't as smooth as you made it sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I don't want to put that out there as a shiny unicorn story. Cause I often do that. I look at the bright side. I'm a positive guy. <laughs> uh, but you know, going through the process of, of our marriage in general, Nicole and I have very, very different views on money. 
And I think we balance each other out quite a bit though. And what I often do as a mistake is that I forget to speak her language. For me, I'm a numbers guy, you know, paying off debt or hitting this net worth number or paying off the mortgage. All that means blah, 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 blah to her. (laughs) But until I say, hey, if we pay off the debt, you could go part-time and not work at a job that you don't like that much as much. And she goes, oh, okay, that's cool. Hey, if we pay off the mortgage, you'd be able to stay at home full-time with the kids because I know you're really passionate about that. And that's a big, that was a big deal for us. And so when I spoke in her language, that's when things would be better for us in our relationship. And when I didn't, and when I still don't today, because I forget, then that's when the, the money fights happen where it's like, it's always about the numbers. Or for me, it's like, what do we need to do to get to this level. And I I forget to empathize with her and her situation, her wants, her desires, and her realities for life. And when I do that, we have less fights. So I think, I think it, I always have to remind myself to speak more in my wife's emotional language than in my numbers brain, because I always come up with these big concepts and, and they make sense in my brain. And then when they, when they come out of my mouth, they don't, I, for some reason, she doesn't understand them as, mo- as well as I do. I don't get that. And until I remember that, that's when we'll be a little happier. So, so yeah, and it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't been horrible, but I think there's been a lot of learning process from Andy along the way, because I always have grand schemes and I forget to bring my wife along <laughs> to the, fill her in to, to my wild ideas. But um, there should be a book on that, on like love languages <laughs> when it comes to like finance. Is there, there must be a book out there. Like I think that. that there is, and I can't remember the author's name right now, but yes, correlating the, you know, think I've got the book right here, the five love languages languages as to how your spouse wants to speak about money, I think. Is a, yeah. is a great concept. Yeah. I would yeah. think there should be like one of those, you know, like travel guides where it, it, it's <laughs> basic phrases and you're like, I want to say, let's pay yes. off our debt. And then across the page, it's like, yes. actually, you should say this. A marriage translator, <laughs> right? Yes. There we go. A marriage translator. <laughs> yes. It's so funny because we get that question a lot from the people that are come to us to invest like, hey, because we're, you know, female kind of a brand and, and we get a lot of females who come to us and say, Hey, I love what you guys are doing. I want to do it. But how do I get my husband on board? And, you know, we share our experiences and our stories. But you know, I think that that's such an important thing to remember is the love language and how your what is really the pain point actually is really what it is, is you identify the pain point. That's what you said. What is your what are your wife's pain points when it comes to her idea of having money or not having money? And how can what you have to offer solves that problem? Right? Yeah. And and also fulfill filling your your promises because mm-hmm. I would put this paying off the mortgage thing on a high pedestal. And I'll say, hey, we'll have so much more money to be able to go on more vacations or get that yeah. hot tub you've always wanted. And then yeah. when we paid off the mortgage, I had a brand new idea. I said, well, how about financial <laughs> independence? That means we're going to live on even less and uh, and, uh, and I'm going to quit my job. And it's, it's like, she's like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? You, you threw the hot tub out there. You threw more vacations out there. And uh, yeah, and we eventually had to go to marriage counseling because that was one of those things where it was like, all right, I'm not communicating well, and she has different desires than I do. A lot of it stemmed from me just not liking my job. Honestly, I didn't convey that well enough. And the counseling really helped us a lot. In the beginning, I was like, ah, marriage counseling, that feels like I've just failed. I'm a failure as a husband. And that's, that's where all the bad people go. Right. And then I went for my first session and I'm like, no, 
wow, this is awesome. This yeah. is like a coach who's going to help us speak to each other in a better way. We're not perfect. There's no manual for this. But if you've got a third party that kind of sees how you communicate and gives you tips on how to do it better, it's awesome. And that's what we that's what we got out of marriage counseling. And it was fantastic. It's like a physical trainer that's going to help you get stronger. And that's what this person mm -hmm. did for us. They helped us to speak to each other in a better way. I learned more empathy than I've ever learned in my life. And I learned to take my foot off the gas a little bit more and enjoy today. And she realized where my motivations came. So by partnering together and doing this, we found some great middle ground. And I would say we're both happier for it today. Yeah. And my guess would be that if you get your marriage right, that your money will become right as well. And so it's one of those things where if you're not in the right state of mind, you know, at home where you now spend a lot of your time, that that could have an impact, a negative impact on how much money might be rolling in the door. So my guess is that things are probably better on that front too. Because Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that concept from the one thing where it's like, mm -hmm. what can you do right now that will have like a cascading effect on all the other goals that you have. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that book. I love the concept. I spoke to Jeff Woods, the, the podcast host the other day, and it just made sense. Focus on your marriage and what can you do to make that fantastic so mm -hmm. that your other problems, goals, priorities in life are that much easier. And that, I really liked that. And that the uh, kudos mm -hmm. to, to that book and that, that, that podcast, what they're speaking about. And it's funny. I think people think often about that on the other way around. And they think if I get everything else right first, then my marriage will be better. Right. Isn't and that that's the like, problem. It's like, yeah, do we have, I don't have 50 hours a day. I only have 24, so we can't yeah. get all that done. Right. So what do you do nowadays in your marriage to talk about money? Is it just something you talk about like here and there? Or do you set up money dates or how do you do that on an ongoing basis? Well, it's been a variety throughout our marriage. Uh, she has and still today doesn't really like talking about money. It's kind of a taboo subject for her and her culture as she grew up. Uh, it was one of those things you just don't talk about. And, and if you do, it's tacky. Over time, I've broken her down. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the beginning for me, it was like, all right, what can I do to make this not so jarring for her? So what I did in the beginning, I, I called it a budget party. Hey, let's get together once a, once a month. I'll bring some wine. We can order some pizza, called it budget party, kind of like sly, like, Hey, this is going to be fun. Uh, but we did, we did make it fun. We had some wine, we had some pizza. We talked about goals more than the numbers saying, Hey, you know, what do we want to do together? How close are we to that point where you can go part-time and eventually full-time? And that, that kind of got her a little bit more excited. So 10 years later, we're still doing those budget parties. We do those once a month. And some things that I've learned about talking about money is that I try to not do it in passing. You know, like, hey, uh, my son and daughter are clamoring for our attention. And I'm like, hey, uh, by the way, like, I want to buy a new car. And <laughs> she'll be like, this is not a good time or anything like, hey, we've got this debt we got to pay or, or whatever. And I've learned that those are those conversations. Money has a lot of emotions around it. So it makes time uh, for those types of conversations. When I do that, things go a lot better. And having that set aside time has really improved our our communication about money. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the kids part. So we've talked about the marriage. We've talked about the money. Tell us, you know, now that you've gone through this journey or you're going through this journey, what are some things that you're teaching your kids about all of this and about money and how they should be thinking about all these topics as they're growing up? Yeah, absolutely. So since so I think so, he was maybe four or five, we've been doing a chore.
mentor and reward program at our house. And that essentially is a saying, hey, what are some kid-sized, kid-appropriate chores that they can do to be helpful around the house where they can earn some money for their hard work? Because we want to have them correlate hard work with reward. And so when they get that money in their hands, uh, we divide up the money into spending, saving, investing, and giving. And by having some of those conversations early, we've found that our kids get these concepts maybe better than others. And because I've heard that kids have their money habits set by age seven, which is a statistic that kind of blows my mind. So I wanted to start early. So we had those conversations with Zoe and Calvin, and now they understand the importance of saving because when they put away their money, they can get some bigger things later on. And they understand the importance of giving because when you have a passion towards an organization or a cause or something that you really, really touches your heart, you have money set aside that you can give to that individual or that cause. And that makes them feel good. And then of course, the spending side of things is fantastic too, because they can get stuff that they want. They work hard, then they can get stuff they want. That's like, we want them to know that for life. And, you know, delayed gratification is something we're continuing to work on. And my wife's idea for this was let's let them purchase something, you know, semi-sizable once a month. Because we've found that if we said, hey, you got money in your jar, you can use it. They'll buy something on Monday and they'll buy something on Tuesday. (laughs) And then they'll forget about what they bought on Monday and Tuesday on Wednesday. (laughs) And we don't want that. We don't want them to be mass consume, many, many mass consumers, you know? And so we said, hey, let's buy one thing a month and you enjoy enjoy that thing. And if you decide you don't enjoy that thing a couple months later, there's a cool thing called Facebook Marketplace. You could sell it, get a little bit of money back and then buy what you want. So we're just trying to teach them the realities of life and through these conversations. And it's worked really well. My daughter, Zoe, my favorite story I love to tell is that she came up to me the other day and she wanted to buy something that was $20. And so she didn't have $20. She did, she came up to me and instead of saying, Hey dad, can I have $20? She said, dad, can I do some more chores so I can buy the thing that I want to buy? And that's, that's what we want. That was like the voila, you know? And so I, I think it's working. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so great to start so early and teach them these big concepts that a lot of people don't get to learn until they're out in the world. And I know um, we do something similar and I know Julie does something similar with her kids as well. And one thing that we've added to the mix is instead of giving them a set list of chores, we, whenever they ask, we say, well, what can you do to solve the problems that we have? Look around and see what problems that people have. And it's sort of fostering that entrepreneurial mindset as well. And so now sometimes they'll come up to me and they'll say, well, here's the list I made of things that I can help with. How much would you pay me for these things? And so we sit down and talk about the value of each of those chores. It's so fun. I think as parents, we get to learn more about our own money habits and our own investing habits and saving habits as we teach them to our kids. So I love that. I think that's a great idea because there's one thing about working for your parents. And then as they start to get older, they start to think about that. What's what problem can I solve? I think that's beautiful. You're teaching that to them. Yeah, absolutely. So I did want to ask one quick question before we move on to the impact round. What do you think the challenges are that are facing young families today when it comes to building wealth? And that may be a loaded question, may have a ton of answers, but kind of in a nutshell, 
what do you think are some of the things that people are struggling with today with, you know, everything that's going on pandemic or not, or otherwise, that maybe, you know, is making it hard for them to think about all of this that we're talking about that we've done, you know, oh, what, yeah. are, what are some of those things? Yeah. Yeah. I'm also sometimes fearful of having these conversations of like paid off my mortgage or we build our net worth. And it's like, there's a lot going on right now. I just want to say it out there that if you're not hitting these big financial goals that you hear about mm-hmm. from people on these podcasts or, or blogs that you're reading, there's nothing wrong with you. If you need a stimulus check to help you get by right now, there is nothing wrong with you. This is a unprecedented time. And I know people hate that word. This is an unprecedented time in our nation and our world's history. And there's nothing wrong with you not being, uh, you know, to where you want to be in your financial life. So uh, first things first, I would say, give yourself some grace in the realities of this every hundred year craziness we're in right now. And just pat yourself on the back that you are continuing to move forward forward and get anything done. So first things first there, I guess I would say, secondly, it's just getting to that point where you're able to spend less than you earn. Sometimes people are like, I'm right at that level. I've got the amount that's coming in and it's going right out. And again, depending on your situation, that might be the best you can do right now. But I think it's taking that first step of like, what can I do to just grow that gap a little bit more between my income and my expenses. Even if it's small in the beginning, hey, you're saving 25 bucks a month or 25 bucks a week or whatever you can do. And then the next month, it maybe gets a little easier and you can take that step ladder to a point where you're saying, wow, I've got a couple grand in the bank or I've got 10 grand in the bank and I never had this in my life before. It's just sort of building those habits. And I think the hard part during a pandemic like this where you've got no time for yourself. As as a young parent, I know you guys cater to a lot of young parents. You got no time for yourself and you got no time for maybe even speaking to your spouse about about your situation. It's hard to think about how can I even just save a little bit to get to the point where I've got enough for a down payment on an investment property or enough to invest in the stock market. So I think first things first, give yourself some grace. And then second thing, what can you do to take small micro steps that put you in the right direction towards you want to go because that's where I see a lot of people kind of getting stuck. Well, if I'm not a millionaire tomorrow, then I don't know. I'm not interested. It takes years and small micro steps to get to where you want to go. And as long as you give yourself grace and the patience and the time to make that happen, it can be more available to a lot more people than we think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing, you know, when it comes to like you, the whole gratification thing, like people want to retire, they want to retire today. They don't want to retire. And, you know, they see all all these people around them doing it and they don't want to do it like in a year. They want to do it like now. And it's like, yeah, but they don't, you know, it's like that whole, have you guys seen that carrot picture where like, you know, you see the big thing on top and then you don't see the root on the bottom and you don't see like, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. But anyway, it's like this idea of like all the hard work that's really being done, like where people don't see, you know, And it's taken me years to get to this point. It didn't just happen, but it was those little micro steps that that my husband and I took, the small steps that we took earlier on, like you were saying, to be able to have savings, to then be able to even think about investing, to then making like small investments, like the first house we bought and the second and the third, and then investing in larger multifamily like we do now. But, you know, this is over... 10, 13 years. It wasn't like we just started doing this yesterday, you know? So I think that's the important thing to remember too, is that, you know, um, this kind of stuff, it takes time. Um, it doesn't have to take 30 or 40 years, 
you can do it in a shorter period of time, but it's certainly not something that happens for most of us anyway, overnight. I think that's, so. that's a great point, Julian. I'd say there's a lot of joy in the journey too. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, the destination yeah. is fantastic, but mm-hmm. if you can enjoy those small steps, those milestones, it can yeah. be a lot of fun too. I'm sure it yeah. was a big deal for you as you were able to get your first property and you're like, this is cool. We are doing yeah. this to yeah. where you are now today. So I, I yeah. think if we can enjoy the process and maybe celebrate each other along the way, if you can find mm-hmm. a, a click of people who are like, yeah, you're doing this. And that yep. makes you feel like you can talk about money a little bit. Uh-huh. And, and you have some people cheering you on along the way. I think that can make the process a lot more fun. Totally. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about marriage. You know, you start there. If you start there and you make your marriage right, that, you know, it'll make the journey a fun one and um, won't feel so terrible to have to save money or whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. you said the joy in the journey. I just realized as you were saying that you literally cannot spell the word journey without the word joy. So I love it. There we go. I love it. <laughs> Stay up it. Make it a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right. So let's move into the final impact round. Um, we're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. First question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? Oh, that's a great question. I would say a big thing that I've been doing over the past couple of years is, and it seems tactical, but using a journal to outline my best week or my best day. And a lot of that goes back to my priorities and my values. Am I making a enough space? Am I making enough time to put my marriage first? Am I making enough space and time to put my kids first? Yes, it's important to build this business that I'm so excited about and I absolutely love every minute of it, but... Am I setting myself up to just be an 80-hour-a-week workaholic or am I trying to be the man that I want to be today? And so having some intentionality with my schedule. And for me, that's uh, physically writing something down in a journal has been Mm -hmm. huge for me. And now I can't leave my side. I can't leave without it being right next to me. So I I need it wherever I am, which is a a good place. I feel good about it. Nice. I love that. We do um, a family meeting every Sunday night and every Sunday night we go around the table and everyone talks about um, what worked for them in the week and what didn't work for them in the week and how we can support them in the things that they're working on um, in the week following. So I love that. I love that intentionality. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They love it. And it's so funny because the kids will, if it's Sunday and like Monday is a holiday, we push it to Monday and the kids will always like remind me they're they're like Sunday. They're like, no, we're just doing on Monday night because Monday's our new Sunday anyway, but it's just, it's cute because <laughs> they really want to do it, you know, so it's good. All right. Second question is what is one life or money hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives right now? Hmm. One life or money hack. I would say, I would say focusing on your self-care is just as important as focusing on your finances. For me, a big thing, and I'll call it a hack, I guess, is I love using the Calm app. The Calm Mm -hmm. app is something that helps me get centered as a parent, as Mm -hmm. someone who's trying to manage (laughs) virtual school. Mm -hmm. And taking 10 minutes just to chill and breathe and get motivated about the person that I want to be is huge for me. And whether it's 10 minutes on that app or just 10 minutes for a walk, I think being able to take care of yourself first before you try to manage all of the trains coming into the station as a busy parent, busy entrepreneur, busy whoever you are 
is very important. Such a good tip, especially with everything that we have going on right now. Um, that certainly has been a priority and a focus for me over the last year. And I definitely am getting better at that. Annie knows that's something that I struggle with because I'm a go, go, go kind of a girl. I go from the morning, minute I wake up in the morning to the moment I fall into bed at night. And um, what you end up doing is you end up burning yourself out. And you think that you're, you know, the way I was before was I'm doing myself a disservice by taking a five minute break. But really, that's like the best thing you can do for yourself. So I love that. All right. Last question is what's the one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Hmm. I would say I love the message and the content that I'm able to put out with my podcast. And one segment that I'm particularly proud of is a segment that I call be the change. So I take an opportunity to interview a cause or a charity or an individual that is working hard to make kids' lives better in our country or the world. And so I love those interviews because it's people that I am just like super drawn to. I'm like, you have dedicated your life to doing something really, really cool. So the fact that I'm able to take my micro platform and help to elevate these people who are doing some really incredible good in the world makes me feel really good. And at the same time, I am working hard to physically donate my money to organizations like those as well to elevate them so they can continue to be the change we want to see in our world. Micro platform. You've got like this big old platform <laughs> now. Come on. But that's awesome that you're using what you've got, what you've built and really amplifying other people and their messages and lifting them up. So Andy, I know our listeners are going to want to follow up with you. So tell them what's the best place they can go to learn more about you. Absolutely. Yeah. If you are listening to this podcast, a great place to go is just your favorite podcast player. Type in marriage, kids and money and uh, check out a couple episodes. Hit subscribe if you like what you hear. If you're into reading, you can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com. That's my blog. And I've got a free gift for people if they want to go there, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. It talks about the 10 steps that we took to pay off our mortgage early. And if you uh, like it, hang out. I appreciate it. Andy Hill, award-winning podcaster, writer, and speaker behind Marriage, Kids, and Money. Andy, thank you so much for being here with us today. It was a pleasure, Andy and Julie. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.